Hello, fellow Gritizens. Do you believe in your ability to navigate life's obstacles, but you're not always sure where to start? Well, lend me your ear, because here on Grow My Grit Podcast, we gather strength and inspiration from real people navigating real obstacles in real time with grit. I'm so grateful for the chance to connect guests and listeners who are ready to know, grow, and show their grit, perhaps best described as one's default settings in the face of obstacles. With our individual grit compass as our guide, one of the biggest opportunities available to us is identifying the strengths we already possess and we reliably bring to challenging situations. These insights into ourselves and into others allow us to explore obstacles with renewed passion and purpose. Are you ready? Welcome to Grow My Grit Podcast. I'm so grateful that you've made time to listen to us today. With us today is Dr. Patricia Mills, a medical doctor with a different spin on women's health. She's an internationally recognized researcher, a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation who is practicing functional medicine. And she works with women who want root cause solutions for their health concerns so they can look, feel, and be their best for life. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Patricia. Thank you so much for having me, Hayes. It's an absolute pleasure. Awesome. So what I always love to do to start off an episode is invite individuals who are the guests to really give me and the listeners a chance to understand how it is that you do hard things and the model that we use is labeling your grit. So tell us a bit about your default setting in the face of obstacles, particularly a G word, R word, I word, and T word that really support you as you're doing hard things. I love your approach to this, by the way. I think it's the first time I've came across this um, method of like putting, you know, putting these things into words, which I think, you know, language is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And when we can leverage the power of language to better understand ourselves and how we operate in this world, we can Mm -hmm. do bigger, better things. So thank you for that. Um, When I was filling out your wonderful questionnaire, and I was looking at all the many words that I could use to describe my grit, um, what I came up with was, uh, and it was enlightening for me and a helpful exercise for me, was uh, G was growth, mm-hmm. uh, R was resolve, I was intention, mm. and T was tenacity, Ooh. Um, which is funny because um, I'm going to start with that last word, actually, because I was speaking to um, the, the, the major challenges I've encountered in my life, and I wouldn't say challenges, but more like the, the areas where I've had a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. for, um, you know, for um, growth, yeah. for changing myself, becoming a different version of myself, has had to do in different areas of my life. But the one I'm going to focus on here is that my business, like where yes. my business has been going. Mm-hmm. So for me, I started off as a traditional um, Western medicine doctor, specialized um, in physical medicine rehabilitation, became an, like very well known in my field of research. I published over 24 ar- five articles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's increasing in count now. I've been um, invited into international collaborations. I was doing all the things. Of course, it's like uh, something always happens to kind of derail us. Mm. And for me, it was um, two things. One was the diagnosis of my dad with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, or Lou Gehrig's mm-hmm. disease. Yeah. Uh, it's a fatal disease with no cure at this time where the muscles of the body slowly deteriorate and function and you eventually pass away mm. from not being able to breathe, eat, move, all those essential functions. 
And we had no family history of it. So it completely caught me by surprise, like just totally blindsided me. And he was he was what you would call a healthy man, an iron man, cyclist, was into nutrition, doing what was uh, supposed to be all the right things, which in retrospect, you know, is a recipe for disaster, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. for many of us. And the proof is in the population. Many of us are not doing well. Yeah. Um, and then my own health had, had been suffering for a while, but I had been turning a blind eye to it, thinking it was normal mm. and using things like um, hormonal, you know, um, like an IUD, intrauterine device um, to manage my menstruation problems, using medications to manage my rashes and my acne. Mm. And as I was diving into the research for my dad, because that's yeah. what I did, I was just like, this isn't right. I, I use my research skills. To mm-hmm. figure out what was the why for him, and maybe understanding the why could provide me some deeper solutions, some root cause solutions for him. And I was starting to clue into the fact that what I was experiencing every day is just not supposed to be the normal experience of a woman, right? Mm. It is a normal experience of a modern woman, unfortunately, but common doesn't mean normal, right? Yes. It, it's a common experience, but it's not what we should be experiencing. Mm-hmm. And then the added stress of what he was going through really tipped me over into my health, just, you know, my health concerns escalating. Yeah. And so I was marrying this, like, looking for him and looking for me as I was going into the research. And as a result of that, I realized that I, I had to make a decision in my life, mm. which was I was learning all of this amazing stuff, like basically root cause solutions for health concerns. However, my the way I was practicing medicine didn't allow me to share that with people. I tried to mm. in the clinic, mm. but the the structure and the framework, like people were coming in for uh, with expectations around medication prescriptions and yep. you know treatment plans around that. And here I was turning around and saying, "So, would you like to get at the root cause of what's going on?" Yeah. And as a medical doctor, by the time they were seeing me, it was almost too late. Like I I don't want to say it's ever too late, but there is a point beyond which you do need heroic efforts Mm -hmm. um, to reverse the condition. And then sometimes, you know, a Band-Aid solution like a medication might be just what you need to feel good enough to enjoy your life that, you know. Um, However, I was really um, fascinated by this concept that we could reverse conditions and starting Mm -hmm. to get very sad about what I was seeing in my clinic knowing that if I had helped these people much earlier in their health journey, mm. I could have it could have made all the difference for them. They could not have been even presenting to me, right? Yes. Yeah. And there's a huge burden on today's doctors. There being um there's way too many patients to see. Too many of us are are very unwell. Yeah. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could decrease that burden by getting a certain percentage of the population so healthy they just go in for wellness checkups. Yes. Right? Yes. The dream. So Yeah. So I had to make a decision. Do I keep doing what I'm doing, which was very comfortable, very Mm. much secure in that comfort zone Mm. of, you know, there was space for growth on a professional level. There was more to know about um, treatment options for diseases um, and conditions that develop in terms of like medications and injections and, and tools and strategies to minimize the dysfunction. Yeah. Um, however, I was like, you know what? The growth that I want to see in my business is I want to be targeting people much upstream. Yeah. Way before all of that happens. Yeah. 
and more in the realm of health prevention and promotion mm-hmm. and reversal of the health concerns while they're still in that like mild to moderate spectrum, ideally yes. before the diagnosis, yep. you know, although certainly even with a diagnosis, it's possible, but catching people in that early phase and that meant I had to completely reinvent myself. So boom. Yeah. Yeah, I oh, yeah. left my position as a um, assistant professor, clinical assistant professor with the faculty of University of British Columbia, which is a very coveted position, mm-hmm. which I got right after residency. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it was very wonderful. I left my position as head of um, research for my um, specificity management program. Yes, I left my position as the resident, as the director of resident research. You know, uh, of my division. Oh my goodness! Um, I left all of that, and um, you know, I didn't do it all at once. It wasn't like a boom, but it yeah. was. You know, I I went and I did my certification in functional medicine. Yes, I started offering online health programs. Yeah, and that's when I realized, like. Um, that I really had to change the way that I approached um, attracting people into like to working with me space, because yeah. yeah like in the medical um, system what happens is as a specialist you get referred by family doctors when there's like a like a health concern and a diagnosis that requires treatment yes but when you're hanging out in the health promotion health prevention space first of all it's not covered by anything public health insurance yes no. Nope. You might get a little bit of coverage to your benefits, but it's very minimal and insufficient. And obscure really. even how you secure that. Yes. <laughs> totally. And people have to pay out of pocket, period. Yeah. You know? And to take to to like open people's eyes mm-hmm. and raise their awareness of the need for early action to prevent the future problems and suffering is is like a whole new world. And I had to learn how to like crack that wide open. I had yeah. to become a doctorpreneur. I had to learn how to manage, you know, technology and marketing and and sale selling with heart. Yes. You know, yeah. um, sac- the art art of sacred sales so that you can actually help people overcome their own sabotaging strategies. And that involved, for example, creating a podcast. Yes. Much like yourself, right? Yeah. And it's just getting the word out. Getting the word out. Right? educating women yep. and and you know educating people who are health conscious and they know they want to be somewhere different from where they are but they don't know what steps to take to get there yes yes laying you the know path. creating laying the path, the path. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that that involved major growth on my part i had to mm-hmm. really step out of my comfort zone i mean like i was like the non-tech person Right. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have Facebook. I didn't yeah. have anything. So that was all new. And yeah. every single day, there's something that comes up that you have to mentally work, you know, work through, right? Yeah. Some kind of perceived obstacle, mm-hmm. challenge, something that it, that could be a setback. Yeah. So you have to have resolve that, you know, an intention. I'm like, I, I have the intention to help as many people around the world as I can. Mm-hmm. And that intention and that resolve has to fuel me through those low spots, those sticky spots. Yep. Absolutely. Right? So important. Yeah. And then once the tenacity one was interesting because I was doing a podcast with another, with a naturopathic doctor. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I really align with the way that they practice medicine. I think it's it's a beautiful um, 
you know, if we could take naturopathic medicine and combine it with with like Western medicine and functional medicine and have like the perfect trifecta, I feel like mm. that would be, you know, a wonderful um, foundation. Yes. And so I was um, doing this podcast and she's like, oh, you just have such tenacity. Mm. And I thought to myself, that's an interesting word I haven't heard of before. Like there in this, you go. applied uh, in this way, right? Applied to yourself. <laughs> Yet when you look yeah. at all the things you've made happen, you've essentially become a poster person for tenacity. You know, it's just that this is not, you essentially stepped away from what, as you said, coveted positions. You were more interested in where you were meant to be than where you were. And that, again, tenacity is that amazing word where not everybody gets where you're coming from or where you're going, but you do. And so I love that it's a word that you had to hear from someone else that in fact, when you look back to your point that it, oh yeah, wait, yeah, this, check it off. Wait, check it off. That is that is my experience and that's what I do when things are difficult. So I love this exercise because it really is that insight to sometimes the way you've already been operating. And when you kind of get that extra word, that vocabulary, you can now articulate that thing I need to do, that thing I've always been doing, tenacity, bringing it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so good. And I'd love to pick up on something you talked about. Your R word is resolve and your I is intention. And so there's an energy between those two that, because one of the questions I sometimes ask is, tell us if your grit words compete, if they connect or if they cooperate. So you are already speaking to how you will resolve to have your intention be clear and you will resolve to have your intention be known. So I just, I'd love to hear more about how you consciously or subconsciously build that momentum to consistently keep declaring an intention and then resolving to kind of get it out there. Yeah, it's wonderful, actually, because when you think about it, um, when you, so all my four words, I think, are interconnected and they actually enhance each other. They don't compete in any way, which I think has been very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, when you, when you make a decision to do something that takes you out of your comfort zone, by definition, that is growth. Now, you yep. can have growth inside your comfort zone and you can have growth outside your comfort zone. And when you step it outside of your comfort zone, then you need the support of those other three words of the resolve, mm -hmm. attention, and tenacity, yeah. because it's very easy to grow within your comfort zone. Um, and so when I, when I made that decision to step out of my comfort zone, in order to maintain my growth, yeah. I had to keep coming back to what, why, what was my intention? Like, why did I originally do this? I was like, okay. Yeah. My mission is to decrease um, and maybe resolve, solve, be the solution to the suffering of women, modern day yes. women. Yeah. And when the obstacles come up, I mean, you can have all of the intention, but if you don't have the resolve and the tenacity to stick with your intention, you may have the best of intentions, but you may not actually get things done, right? Yes. You yep. may kind of go back into your comfort zone and retreat. Yes. Yep. And just to reiterate, I love that comment because you're identifying the importance of our thoughts combined with our action. There's that element of, well, I really want to see this happen and I'm going to keep thinking about it happening. And until there is a correlating action, whether it be the resolve to execute X, Y, and Z, but you're just, you're continuing to support that, that train of, okay, now that I'm thinking about it, how do I make it happen? Now that I'm thinking about it, how do I make it happen? Now that it's happened, What's the next iteration of my intention? Because there's always that kind of next step, which brings me back to something else that I love you pointed out that when you decided to make this epic shift in the work you're doing, 
you identified manageable chunks. So you didn't just decide one day I'm stepping away from every position. You were strategic and, you know, I'm going to get certified in this. I'm going to step away from this. So I'd love to hear your your advice to people around that ability to see a hard thing and then kind of make it manageable. Yeah. So one of the tools is to use your emotions in the right way. Mm. So what I mean by that is that when you decide to step out of your comfort zone and you're going to go into growth, sometimes, um, you know, things will happen that will cause you to feel certain emotions like fear and sadness and frustration. And when those emotions are taking you away from your, you know, your goals, your growth and your intention, that's when you use your resolve and your um, tenacity to overcome those emotions and say, that may be how I'm feeling right now, but it's it's not what I actually want for myself. So I'm going to keep my actions aligned with my intention and yes. I'm going to honor my emotions and work through them and not let them stop me. On the flip side, if you you can use your emotions in a positive way, if you're if you're looking at your current situation in your comfort zone and you're saying, okay, I'm going to have to let go of things in order to let new things into my life, because that's the reality. You can't, um, well, maybe you can, but it's very difficult these days to start on a new path and keep everything from your old life yes. and embark on that new path. You have to eventually let go of the things that used to serve you. And now with this new intention, it just no longer serves you. And one way to know what do I let go of first is to use your emotions as a barometer. So what I was doing was I was going into work and I was monitoring my emotions for like, what did I love about what I'm still doing in my work? Mm. And what were the things that were draining me energetically and emotionally? I said, you know what? I'm going to let go of those draining things first, yes. mm. right? And so I just, I let go of a few things. And you know what? They were some of the most financially lucrative things. You know, I was, I was doing medical legal work, um, you know, not a lot of it, one case a week. And yeah. uh, it was one of the things that was bringing in the most money. It was like mm -hmm. very much a big part of it. However, it wasn't bringing me joy, the joy, you know, I found it to be very helpful yeah. for the person I was helping. But it was a lot of time spent on helping one one person when I wanted to spend a, a you know the same amount of time helping a whole bunch of people. Yeah. So I let go of that first. Yeah. And if I had let my finances rule my decisions, I would have not. I would have probably kept that until last. Mm. You know. But what I my intention along the way wasn't just to help other women. It was also to help myself. Yes. I wanted to wake up every day. Um, loving what I was doing and and being motivated and fueled by that because it's hard enough as it is to start a new venture when mm. there's things about your day that you simply don't enjoy doing. And yes, there are still things about my day I don't love, like if I have to do my taxes and yes. you know I have to do my <laughs> administrative work. I you know, however, when it's like the the time that you get to spend being of direct assistance to others, yes. if that time isn't being properly spent from on an emotional basis, you're not going to wake up and have the energy to do what you need to do because it's going to mm -hmm. drain you. Mm -hmm. So that's how I, how I first did it. So part of it was emotional. I just started to let go of the things I didn't enjoy and kept the things I still really love to do. So I, I kept my clinic in the hospital, um, you know, those kinds, those direct. pieces where I still yes. got to interact with patients and be yes. of service. And then you had to, I did a very big 
picture overview, like I pulled myself out of the situation mentally and I looked at the whole situation. I said, okay, this is where I want to be. What are the pieces that I need to be in place if in two years I want to be doing this thing? And what I realized was um, while while I was a specialist, I and I had done a lot of research using my research skills. It's very helpful to have um, uh, a recognized certification or some kind of training, yeah. um, you know, that I could have that I could, if anyone ever questioned anything, I could just, I could say, you know what, this is like, I'm certified in this. So mm-hmm. I looked out there and I, I found functional medicine, which is basically root cause medicine. It's yes. an up-and-coming field of medicine where you need to be a health professional in order to do the certification. And I took all, I took very premeditated, very thoughtful steps. I, and I planned everything in advance. I spoke to my college of physicians and surgeons. Um, You know, I got, I even got a grant Mm. from the Royal College to do the certification. So it was very much, yeah, it was very much recognized by my um, you know, by the by, my governing body, so that when down the line some questions arose about how I was practicing this new form of medicine, because in Canada, for example, there's very few, if any, functional medicine practitioners. There are some, but not very many when you look at it overall, and mm-hmm. certainly no specialists in physical medicine and rehab. So I was definitely blazing new territory, and so I had to be yes. very strategic. Yes, you know, and yes. take the time to plan it out. Yeah. So some of it, some of the growth was organic. Yep. And there's definitely room for spontaneity and following, you know, like intuition and listening to intuition. And I did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But that was within the framework of a, a general plan. Yes. Yep. And two things I want to draw from that story. A, I love that in order to create your path, you zoomed in on your emotions. You did a lot of work on connecting to the literal experience you were having every day. And you also made a point of zooming out to your comment about having to truly step back. So essentially, you did opposite ends of the spectrum that complemented your ability to move ahead. So that was really exciting. I don't typically hear people describe that their emotions are a guide when it comes to something that major, but it makes absolute sense that, yeah, if I walk in and this feeling continues to arise, I'm going to reduce some of the drain and increase some of the things that fill me up. So I love that. And then secondary, you described essentially creating an obstacle for yourself in making this transition, but inviting your highest governing body to come along for the ride. So you really said, you know, I am so invested in this choice I've made and this direction that I feel is important for serving people as a medical professional. But I also want to make sure that the governing body, the college, that enough people kind of see where this goes so that the next time someone has the same questions I do or has the same, you know, interest in doing something differently. Now you've created a path for other individuals. So I love that it wasn't like a, I'm throwing my hands up and just going rogue. I'm not kind of doing this on the side. You were public. You were you were quite forthcoming and proud of the decisions. Hey guys, come along for the ride so that the certificate, the certifying body and everyone, colleagues as well, can just kind of see this transition. It's hard. I don't know how it's going to go, but I've done enough prep work. So really just this sense of doing a hard thing with an audience of your peers and your your colleagues and the governing body is really a lot of intention to enlighten, which may or may not have been your plan. But I just love that you've introduced that concept of do the hard thing and bring some people along who may speak to someone later, 
feeling the same way you did. So that, that was neat. Thank you for that. That was awesome. So what I'd love to do kind of in closing, but not really, is we talk a lot in our work, depending on, well, both of us in our work about the importance of identifying toxins. And so a lot of what I talk about is toxic thoughts. And I know that's come up in some of your podcasts. When I work with clients, the common thought that I hear that I'd consider toxic is I can't, because a lot of the time I propose, what about I don't know how? And then when it's I don't know how, it's I can figure out the steps. So that's what I hear a lot in my work. I'd love to hear in your medical profession and in your experience, what are some of the toxic thoughts that you hear among your your patients and what are some alternatives that you offer them? Oh, that's such an interesting thing. I mean, what I identify, so again, taking like a big, a bit of a, a big picture before I zoom in here is that mm-hmm. One of the, when I went into the research looking for those root cause solutions, what I found was I could categorize most of the root causes of our health concerns into four major categories, and I call them the four pillars of whole body health or holistic health, mm-hmm. with, with a W H O, the holistic. And the four pillars are the stress response, gut health, hormone balance, and toxins tolerance, and those four pillars are interconnected. So using toxic thoughts as an example, when we engage in, in thoughts that do not serve us, what, what are toxic thoughts? Essentially, toxic thoughts are um, thoughts that we have that run through our mind, that we think of, that we either hear or we see or we feel. You know, People are different in how thoughts present to them. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it does is it puts you into a negative emotion. Now, you could say that no emotion is negative or positive. All emotions are healthy emotions, so long as they are appropriately felt and experienced mm-hmm. and processed, accepted, and then let go, you know. And so even um, so-called positive emotions can be toxic if, you hold, if you're saying, well, I only want to do things that make me happy, and some people will go and do things like, eat food that doesn't work for their body but mm-hmm. makes them feel good yeah. or do drugs because it makes them feel happy and think happy thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more about how are those thoughts serving you and how are how are what what kind of level of happiness and whole uh, and wholeness is it bringing yeah. to your life? And mm-hmm. is it bringing you closer to who you want to be and what you want to do? And what's interesting is that when we have a thought that drains our energy and like and emotionally, so emotion is energy in motion. And when we have a thought that either leads to an emotion that has like a negative impact on our mind and therefore our body, because Mm -hmm. the thoughts that go through your mind, they get, they are connected to the body um, in the sense that, for example, through the nervous system, that's one way they're connected. So if you have a negative thought that makes you feel scared, angry, frustrated, depressed, sad. Those are, you know, we call them those negative emotions. If you're not able to accept it, process it, and let it go, that emotion then runs into the body Mm -hmm. and it has an effect on the nervous system, right? And so it causes um, the nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord, and then the nerves that run out from the spinal cord into every organ of the body. So Every single part of your body, from your brain to your eyes to your skin, your nose, your um, sweat glands, your fingers, your toes, your liver, your gut, your heart, everything feels the effects of your emotions. So when you have um, a negative emotion that creates a certain pattern of activity in the body, 
And that usually what that does is it slows down your digestion. It gets in the way of your digestion. It causes certain hormones to, so that affects your health, gut health negatively. Mm -hmm. That's the one, one pillar. It affects the hormones that your body produces. So you go, you start making the hormones of negative emotions, which are things like the stress hormone cortisol, right? Yes. So, so it activates your stress response. Yeah. And it gets in the way of your, um, of your organs properly detoxifying because those organs like the liver and the gut, um, you know, those are organs of detoxification and their function gets impaired as well. They gets decreased as well when you have these negative thought patterns activating your nervous system in a certain mm -hmm. way. Yeah. So these toxic thoughts really can affect your stress response, your gut health, your hormone balance, and your toxins tolerance if you don't have the right tools and strategies mm -hmm. to cope with them. And here's the thing. When, you're, when your toxic thoughts get activated and it's happening day in and day out, day in and day out, so your stress response is being activated day in, day out, that requires your body to use up a lot of nutrients. So, you know, people start to become depleted, like they're, you know, what nutrients get depleted. As an example, magnesium, zinc, vitamin C, all of those nutrients which are used to support the nervous system um, for optimal, you know, running they get depleted. And so people start to then experience side effects from having this constant toxic thoughts, which is nutrient deficiencies, mm -hmm. even if you're eating a healthy diet. So you can make yourself self sick just with toxic thoughts, yep. even if you're exercising right, eating right, meditating right, mm -hmm. you know, mo yep. moving right, all those things. If you, if you can't get on top of your toxic thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I find that I'm, I'm definitely not, um, I can't put myself into the realm of a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I do not have that kind of training. However, I do have the capacity to um, recognize that a lot of us, uh, a lot of us humans, I work with mm -hmm. a lot of women, a lot of women are dealing with a lot of negative thoughts and you can categorize it about, you know, yourself, mm -hmm. right? So we're very, I think we're the hardest on ourselves, yeah. right? And, and, be, and having thoughts about ourselves. And oftentimes we sabotage ourselves. Yeah. You know, an opportunity comes up to work on your health. And oftentimes what I find is that when I'm, when I'm, I'm helping women um, make decisions for their health, they will, they, they will often sabotage themselves and say, oh, there's not enough time, right? Um, the fine, there's not enough money. Yeah. Um, or now is not the time or, and yet they will go and focus on like their family or they'll yes. spend time and money on their children. Yes. And they don't realize that they are an important piece of that puzzle. And if they are not well, right, then everybody else around them are, are affected. Yes. So I, I, I find that it's most frequently, it's like um, a way that people deal with their, with themselves and how they think about themselves, how they prioritize or don't prioritize themselves. Um, and that often is, I think, one of the big root causes of our health concerns is just this negative self-talk mm -hmm. that we engage in. And the problem is that there's different levels of awareness around this. There was a point at which I was completely unaware of my own negative self-talk. Okay. Yeah. You know, and then as I did the work, personal growth and, and, you know, getting into like the mind, body, spirit connection and how everything is interconnected, mm -hmm. 
I started to become aware and meditation is actually helpful for that level of awareness where you start to observe your thoughts and you start yeah. to realize, wow, these are the thoughts that are running through my mind. Like, yeah, yeah. How amazing is that? And then, um, and then with time, that level of awareness leads to strategies that you're able to, you know, stop the thought or release the thought with no judgment, all of those things. But yeah. I feel like a lot of women are are still in that lack of awareness or awareness without the ability to to like do something about it phase. Okay. Mm. So what I hear you saying really is that scarcity is a common toxic thought that you're hearing among your patients in terms of there isn't enough time for me to dedicate to myself. There aren't enough finances for me to dedicate to myself. There isn't enough need. I'm, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So in terms of some of the toxicity, which again is a form of negative thought. That's really a common message that you're having to counteract as you serve your clients through your podcast and your programs. It's really just helping to draw awareness to those negative thoughts, that negative self-talk and building the opposite as opposed to scarcity. There is enough time because you're giving that time to other people. So let's focus on abundance and this abundance of time and presence of resources will now make abundance in health. So, so you're hearing a higher level, um, you're hearing a higher level of negative thoughts than I am in my practice. But what you're taking from that is creating this space in the health realm. You're really speaking to more than my work is really focused on thoughts, but you're saying that your ability to have people be present to their negative health talk is now a way to change everything. It's changing their gut health. It's really focusing on their ability to tolerate toxins. It's a focusing on their hormones. So the same obstacles we're encountering really do get shifted when we start by how we talk to ourselves and start by being aware of what we're thinking. That's the primary obstacle is what I'm hearing you say that really helping some of your clients. Yeah, I think it's just a basic kindness to ourselves, mm. you know, and thinking kind thoughts about ourselves. And mm. the reason I brought up the idea of, um, you know, the self-sabotaging strategies that we have is because as a doctor, I've seen what happens when people get to the end stage of a condition, like the diagnosis of cancer mm -hmm. or the diagnosis of like, you know, um, rheumatoid arthritis or, um, you know, thyroid, like an actual thyroid diagnosis or an, a very deep hormonal imbalance requiring medications. People at that stage, they it's like something flips and they're all of a sudden willing to dedicate a lot of money and a lot of time, a lot of resources to themselves. And it's like, why did why was it necessary to get to that stage? Right. What mm -hmm. is it about how kind you are to yourself? I mean, um, one of the things I do for people I'm working with is they I get them to fill out a whole body health questionnaire. Mm -hmm. And it's like kind of like your grit questionnaire where it's raising awareness around things. And all of them, with, without exception, are always surprised at how their body has been speaking to them of like, there is a problem here. You know, it's like, there's a problem here and there's a problem there. It's a problem here. It's a problem there. All, you know, from top to bottom, skin inside, up and down. Yes. And they're always like, wow, I didn't even realize that. And I said, yeah, it's been, you've been ignoring the signs that your body has been giving you for years. And, um, 
you know, it generates this feeling like, and it's also like the body to mind connection where you, when your body isn't feeling well, yes. it's really, really hard for you to mentally, emotionally feel well. Yeah. And that can engender toxic thoughts. So it's a bi-directional yeah. connection, right? Mm -hmm. From body to mind, mind to body. Mm -hmm. It's I, I find for myself when I get off track with my health, like, you know, I'm traveling and I'm not paying attention or it's the holidays and I've let things just go. I notice my thoughts become more negative and they're not as like kind to myself or generally, you know, I'm, I'm less even tempered, I'm less patient, I'm more irritable, mm -hmm. right? So it's even just a general emotional environment that gets created by the yeah. environment in the body. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps if we um, were kinder to ourselves, if we took care of ourselves as much as we take care of others, whether it's yeah. a job or a child or a partner or family or mm -hmm. friends, if we if we dedicated even a portion of that to ourselves, it would be amazing to see how as soon as you take positive action for yourself, yeah. it's amazing to see how some toxic thoughts just start to subside mm -hmm. because it's like it's like a background of fear of an, an anxiety gets gets like um like treated, wow. you know, yeah. it gets yeah. resolved. And so now it's like. I remember when I wasn't feeling well, I used to wake up and I, as soon as I became aware of my surroundings and my thoughts, I would develop this like low ground feeling of like discomfort, you know, just this kind of like low level anxiousness mm. or like something isn't quite right, mm. you know? Yep. And now that I've, I've, and I remember like one of my turning points was um, like I talked about a work turning point, but like a personal turning point when I was, when I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to take some time here to focus on myself. And this is when I had young children. Like, you know, I had a, I had two children. One was like a recently born, my other son was turning three. Uh, I turned 40 at that time. And I remember that was a pivotal moment because I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make the time. Yeah. I'm going to heal myself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out what works and doesn't work. You know, yeah. I'm going to dedicate my uh, a portion of my money towards this because it does take a little bit of money, right? Yes. Sometimes yeah. a lot. An and investment. I can, yeah. I, it's an investment. And now I can honestly say like my body is thanking me every day. Mm. And what that does is it creates this general kind of background of well-being. And so the the toxic thoughts are just so less likely to happen. Amazing. You know, yes. it, it's not body fueled anymore. If anything, yeah. it's like minimized now to things that come up in terms of like, life you know yes but yep. no Work. no longer yep. triggered by the body's emotions and physical unwellness mm -hmm. that's phenomenal so what i'd love to do is really just have you give listeners a chance to tell us where we can find you where we can find you online where we can learn a little because i'd really invite especially women who are listening that you've really spoken to the obstacle of putting ourselves not always first but really treating ourselves the way we treat others so if you are someone who's really struggling with that rationale and wondering about the benefits Dr. Patricia has outlined in such detail, the value of truly creating that holistic with the W health, that perspective. So tell us where we can find you online. Yeah, great. So remember how I said I was not a technical person and I didn't yes. have Instagram or whatever. So now I'm a completely new person and I have all, I have so many ways to connect. So you just pick what works best for you. If you're into okay. Facebook, then check out my um, private free group for women called Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. You can search that. You just have to agree to the group rules to join, which is kindness and compassion for all. Mm. 
And Instagram, it's at dr.patriciamills. That's where you find me on Instagram. On YouTube, I have a channel. I show up live every week. There's a tons of helpful playlists you can check out with different health topics. And that's Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. And the handle is also at dr.patriciamills. And I have a podcast called Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. And if you're someone who likes to listen to things while you're on the go or cleaning or cooking like me, then that's mm-hmm. going to be the way that you move forward. And what I would like to offer as a, um, a gift to your listeners is I have this free ebook that I put so much of my knowledge into um, natu- how to naturally rebalance your hormones. And mm-hmm. I'll provide you with the link and people can... Um, check that it's for women but you know what men actually would benefit from this as well to be honest because <laughs> um, we're all humans so yes. much of that applies to men and you'll just click on the on the link to download and i hope you find immense value if for people who don't know what next step to take on their health mm-hmm. journey i would say the very next step would be to download that ebook and and read it through and um, if you action out even a quarter of what i have there for you to do Mm. you will start to see benefits right away in your health. I guarantee it. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. I will include all of those amazing resources and destinations in the show notes for this episode. Dr. Patricia, I'm so grateful that you again were so articulate about your grit. You were crystal clear about how it got you through so many transitions. And I love that we ended with a focus on listeners, really being present to that number one obstacle is how we talk to ourselves and really making time. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Hayes. I so appreciate you and what you're doing in this space. The world needs it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you. Have an amazing rest of your day. Have a great day, listeners, and see you soon. Bye. <laughs> Grow My Grit podcast, hosted by Hayes Shepmeyer, is a production of Gritty Guru Company. Technical production by Niall Fines. Music by Peter Willis. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. For more information about my book, Know, Grow, and Show Your Grit, Self-Discovery Made Simple, please visit growmygrit.com. Follow me at Grow My Grit and share this podcast on social media. Leave a review, take a screenshot of the homepage, and send it to friends or family members who will benefit from more grit.